Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. Which prisoner do you want me to pardon? Barabbas or Jesus, the so-called Christ? What should I do with Jesus? What has he done wrong? They're crucifying him. Barabbas. They're crucifying the man that took your place. I don't mean your place. I'm not saying you should be crucified. cells are next to each other. The crowd is picking up. We need to go. There was a hole in the wall between the cells. I could pull a, a piece out and see him. I saw everything. Barabbas. The Romans may have let you go, but they aren't going to let you live. They beat him. They cursed him. They spit on him. You never said a thing. He... He never fought back. Once we get out of town and find someone to treat your wounds... Did you see what they did to him? back. That crown. Those thorns. At least it wasn't you. Why not? Why not me? I am. I don't know why not. But if we're going to leave, we need to leave now. Stop! Stop talking! Just There's just something about Jesus that he just draws people to him, you know? Even a beaten, mocked, naked, bloody man who had someone else's spit hanging from him still draws people to him. 
That last line that, that Barabbas said, in my place. He didn't just die in Barabbas' place. He died in my place and yours. Amen? We celebrate that. Let's pray. Lord, we, we look at your word and your truth, and I just pray that you would take your Holy Spirit and just empower us, fill us, encourage us, convict us. Lord, we want more of you. Lord, we want more than just what this world offers and its brokenness. We want what you offer. And so I pray for every soul in this room, those who are online with us, that you would give us the gift of your word, of your truth. For some of us, this is all fresh and new, and I pray that you would open eyes of faith. For others of us, we've read these scriptures so many times, I pray that they would be fresh to us to see what you have for us today. Oh, Lord, we love you. We treasure the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's in his name. All God's people said, amen. Amen. Um, Well, we um, have been going through this final week as uh, Bob read from Palm Sunday. We did that a number of weeks ago. That was the beginning of this last week of Jesus' life. We've been specifically looking in the book of Mark. So uh, if yeah, we'll put it on the screen, but if you want to follow along, um, we're looking at Mark 15, verse 1. And if you don't own a Bible, by the way, those Bibles in these find in front of you, feel free to take one of those home. We won't frisk you on your way out, so uh, take that as a gift. Um, if we know someone who needs a Bible, we have plenty to restock it. So, um, and, and just by the way, as a plug, this is Holy Week leading in the next uh, weekend. We're celebrating the resurrection of Christ. Uh, we have at Cornerstone a, a service on Thursday night. That's Maundy Thursday where we celebrate the Last Supper and the Lord's Supper together. That's at 7. And then uh, Good Friday gathering at 7 on Friday, uh, which is really great. We bring the candles back out, um, you know, not just Christmas Eve, and, and we just have a really great time as well. So hopefully, uh, I know not everyone can make it, but if you're uh, not doing anything, uh, you can watch Netflix when you get home. All right, come join us. There's nobody leaves going, boy, I just wasted my time. Nobody. Well, if they do, I've never heard about it, right? So uh, I don't think you will. So hopefully you can join us for one or, or both of those, and certainly next weekend as well. Um, so it, as we've looked at this final week of Mark, I've, I've said many times that, that he's of all four, because the final week of Jesus' life is in all four Gospels, right? And, and Mark's the briefest of them, right? He's just, man, he's like, boom, 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 action, right? There's not as much conversation as you might see. There's, not, there's, there's a lot of action. And, and so he does that purposefully, right? He, he, he has, he, he sets, uh, the Holy Spirit just inspired him to set these narratives and these things to paint a picture for us, and it's vivid, and I think one of the biggest uh, pictures it paints is Christ, Jesus, being alone in a crowd of evil, right? You go back to chapter 14. You see he's with his followers at the Last Supper, right? And that's pretty good. And then he gets to the garden. And their followers, his apostles are still there, but they fall asleep, right? Judas comes, betrays him. He's praying alone. Now he's betrayed alone. Peter's cutting ears off, right? Uh, they scatter. He's alone. He's then alone with the high council, the Jewish Sanhedrin. They beat him, mock him, spit on him, and decide to kill him, right? You're going to see in, in chapter 15, same thing. Alone, being mocked by the crowds, being mocked by the soldiers, being mocked by the passerbys when he's on the cross. He's alone, and it paints this picture of Jesus step-by-step, purpose walking through this for you because only he alone could bear the burden of the salvation of our souls 
And so see that picture as it's painted for us by, by Mark. And so we, we, when we pick up in chapter 15, it's the next morning. And remember, he's been arrested. He's spent the night uh, arrested, and he's been uh, decided that the Jewish high council, they want Jesus dead. The problem is they needed the Roman government to sign off on that. Right? So they got to figure out, and that's what you see here in verse 1. They have to deliber- deliberate because they decided they hated Jesus because blasphemy and uh, religious reasons. And Rome doesn't care about that. They could care less. They don't care about your religion. They don't care about what you believe religiously. There's plenty of gods as far as they're concerned. Just we're not going to kill someone over that. There's other things that Rome is concerned with. So they have to figure out how are we going to get Rome to sign off on this. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. All right, so they would go early in the morning. A lot of trials were early in the morning. You would love being a Roman aristocrat, right? They were already pursuing pleasure by like after lunchtime, right? So that's when their day ended. Whew, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Um, and so they, they, they had to get there early to get on the docket for him to hear their case, right? So Pontius Pilate, you've probably heard, even no matter what your church background is, you've probably heard of him before. Uh, he was for 10 years, and he's plenty of history, this is not just the Bible, that he was appointed prefect or governor of Judea, which is part of Jerusalem is in Judea. And, um, and he represents the Roman government, he represents Caesar, and one of the biggest things he's supposed to do is keep the peace. He wasn't very good at that, right? The Jewish people hated him, he hated them, he did a lot of terrible, terrible things to them. So that's why he was staying in Jerusalem. He didn't live there, but he was staying there during Passover. We said last week, Passover, the city would swell to over 250,000 people, and tensions ran high, and if there was going to be something happen, it would probably happen during that week. So there he is trying to make sure he's keeping the peace. And so they bring Jesus to Pilate. Now, in pure Mark fashion, verse 2, we jump to write the conversation between Pilate and Jesus. So how are they going to get Pilate to want to kill Jesus? We see in verse 2, based on what Pilate asks Jesus. And Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? So there you go. What is he asking? Well, clearly the main charge they bring is he's claiming to be a king that would rival the throne in Rome, which of course is not true, and the Sanhedrin knew that. In fact, that's one of the reasons Jewish people were frustrated with Jesus, because he's saying he's the Christ, but he's not here to be the king and overthrow Rome. He's to do something far greater. But they knew that that would get Pilate to say, huh, okay, wait a minute. If you really think you're a king, we've got to deal with you. So he's asking Jesus. Now Jesus, in his beautiful way, answered, you have said so. Kind of vague, isn't it? In a way, what he's saying, he can't say yes. He's not going to say no because he is a king. Jesus knows this. But he's not going to just flat out say yes because he's being vague on purpose because, like, I am a king, but not in the fashion that you would ever think, Right? And so he's vague. So we see in verse 3, the chief priests accused him of many more things. And Pilate again asked him, have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you? Like he's got a list, like all these charges that they're saying you did and you have nothing to say for yourself. Verse 5, but Jesus made no further answer so that Pilate was amazed. Do you see how the picture is painted? Everyone against Jesus, but he's not. This isn't plan B. Oh, no, Father, they got me. They arrested me. What do we do now? Right? This is all part of the very purposeful walking into this suffering for us. So he doesn't answer these charges. There's no point. But Pilate's like, never seen anything like it. Like this guy they're claiming to be a king is just standing here before him, and he's not, 
He's not defending himself. He's not, what about that? No, he's just quiet. And Pilate is amazed. He's already starting to realize this guy's not guilty for what they're saying. Verse 6. Now at the feast, he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. That's the video we saw, Barabbas. Um, so there was clearly this insurrection, and Mark's readers knew about it. It was pretty famous. It's lost to us of which insurrection they're talking about because there were so many. But there, there was this insurrection that Barabbas was one of the key leaders. My guess, just conjecture, is the other two uh, that were killed alongside Jesus were probably part of that too. And so they would have been rebel zealots. Jewish zealots were rebels against Rome. And Barabbas was one of those. And because of that, he was scheduled to be crucified. The most gruesome way anyone's ever devised to kill a criminal. If you were a Roman citizen, you could not be crucified no matter how bad you were. Because they were like, even that is too bad for you. And they would do it publicly so that you might walk by and see someone, you know, a crucifixion that could take days. And it's a huge sign that says, don't do this. Don't do what they did. Reserved for the worst of the worst. And so there clearly was a tradition that to kind of maybe placate some of the Jewish people that Pilate would allow them at Passover to ask for one of the prisoners to be set free. Right, so that's a, a, a tradition. And so we get to verse 8, a very interesting um, verse. It says, And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. Now, why is that interesting? Okay, so the, the, probably he's at uh, Herod's palace, which was in the northwest part of the city. It's not the middle of the city, right? So to go there, you purposefully went there. And I say that because you've probably heard it said, I know I have, that these crowds that on Sunday were, were saying, Hosanna in the highest, by Friday they were chanting crucify him. I think that's a little overdramatic. I really don't think for the most part it's the same crowd. It could be, some of them maybe, but what this crowd has gone there early in the morning for a purpose, and it seems like their purpose is to get Barabbas out. Barabbas had a following, right? He was an insurrectionist. Some people really liked him, especially the zealots. And so they're there knowing, hey, he's got to let someone go. Let's go plead with Pilate to get Barabbas out, right? And, and of course, you had the, the Sanhedrin there as well. And it all comes against Jesus. It says, and he answered them saying, do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? I'm sure he said that in more of a mocking, your king, you want me to let him go? But I think he's probably thinking, well, this guy, he's clearly not guilty. So they're going to ask me for him. So Pilate sort of leads them into it and probably is going to let them go if they they say something like that. But uh, he says he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priest had delivered him up. He knew Jesus wasn't guilty. He knew that Sanhedrin was not out to get uh, rebels to Rome. They didn't love, they didn't like Rome, right? So he's like, it's envy. This guy's more popular with the people than they are. And so they're envious and they want to kill him. Pilate was Kind of a moron in some ways, but savvy in political ways, right? How what he did, what he missed though, was this this crowd, right? So the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead, and Pilate again said to them, number two, right? Then what shall I do with the man you call the King of the Jews? It's almost like Pilate saying, "I'll give you Barabbas, but what about this guy? Right? Shouldn't we let him go too, or maybe a lesser sentence?" I mean. Look at him. He's not guilty of this. He's trying, right? He, he, he's got to keep the peace, 
But he's also seeing an innocent man, at least from what, what they've said. And, and, and yet it becomes more of a mob. And they cried out again, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, number three, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate face to face with a choice. Innocent guy, kill him in the most gruesome way possible, or risk the crowds, right? And you probably know what he chose. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. A scourging was a Roman whipping. It was brutal. They didn't just have a whip, but they had shards of bone and metal and it would just rip away the flesh. And often, criminals died just of the scourging. They would do that before a, a crucifixion. One of the reasons was because it, it sped up their death, because again, it, it was usually you know, not being able to breathe, having the strength to open your lungs, and that could take days. And so, the blood loss of a scourging could kind of speed that along. And so they did that to Jesus. But Pilate, man, face to face with the truth. The Gospel of John tells us that Pilate actually asked Jesus, what is truth? And Jesus said, I am the truth. I'm the way. Face to face with the Gospel. And Pilate chose his own position, his own power, his own temporary stuff. Oh, how many people since then have come face to face with the beauties and the riches of the gospel but have chosen their own place in this world instead. I don't want that to be you. You see, Jesus is bad for business. He's bad. First of all, he's bad for business of religion. That sounds weird. Didn't Jesus start a religion? No. He came for a mission. He said what it was, to seek and save that which was lost. Right? And that's the same mission we have. Right? He, he, he's, he's, bad. he's always been bad for the business of religion, and boy, can't religion be big business. The Sanhedrin, they had all kinds of stuff uh, because of their position. And Jesus threatened that. Remember Jesus clearing the temple? He threatened that business, and he still does. Man, it disgusts me sometimes. You see some churches and, 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 and you see some, some, some teachings. It's, it's all about God wants you to be rich and he wants you to be healthy and wealthy and, and you got pastors in million-dollar homes. Trust me, I do not have that. Helicopters, right? And if you listen to them, which I don't advise, but if you do, they're, they're rarely preaching about Jesus. They mention his name here and there, but they usually take scriptures out of the Old Testament, twist them around and make it say what they want it to say, and get you to give more money and more money, because religion can be big business. Jesus has always been terrible for that. And if you've been soured by something like that, please know that isn't the true Christ. And don't, remember the 11 apostles continued to follow Christ even though they saw what Judas did. So you might have been even swindled in a situation like that. Don't miss, Jesus is bad for that kind of business. He always has been. 
Jesus is bad for the business of, um, of moral or religious elitism, the Sanhedrin. We are, we are better than you. We have the robes and the position, and I know more scripture, and I've done things that you haven't done, and I certainly haven't done the things that you've done. Remember the prayer? Thank you that I am not like that tax collector. Jesus has always been so bad for that business, hasn't he? Right? So bad for that. And still is. He, he, he ate with tax collectors and sinners. There's prostitutes coming to him for new life. There's, there's all, like, he's just bad for that. So if you came in here and you're like, man, my life's a mess. I'm, I feel so far from God. I, so, I feel so distant because of things I've done. And I don't know if I even belong here. You're closer to the true Christ than anyone who thinks they've earned something towards God. Understand that Jesus calls you. He's always been bad for that business. He's bad for the business of the world. You saw Pilate? As I mentioned, how many people have come face to face with the gospel but have chosen the trinkets and pleasures that are so fleeting? What do we say all the time? It's going to rot. It's going to rust. It's going to be sold at a tag sale or given to someone who probably doesn't want it thrown away in a dump somewhere. Don't live for it. Live for the eternal treasures that Christ has. Don't live for your position and your prominence and your reputation. And the younger you are, hear me on that. Like this is gonna sound mean, but I love you, right? You're, you're someday, unless Christ comes first, there's gonna be a tombstone with your name on it that people aren't visiting because you died too long ago. I don't care what your position is. If you say, I'm gonna be cremated and my urn is gonna be on the mantle place for one generation, and then they're going to be like, who is this? Throw it in the attic. I don't know what to do with this. Thank you for laughing at the nine. A few people looked at me in horror when I said that. And I'm like, I'm not trying to be mean, right? I hope you have a great life. I hope you have people remember you. I'm just saying it's not permanent. It's temporary. Don't live for it. There will be blessings in this life, but don't forego, because you can't walk both uh, of these paths. There's the path of Christ and then there's of the world. And you can't have both. You can't. And Jesus is the one that said, man, sell it all to the rich guy, right? Blessed are the poor. He didn't have a place to lay his head. Bad for that kind of business. When we read that scripture and we saw that, that video, I want you to think about Barabbas for a second because Mark, remember, he doesn't he does not include a lot of details in comparison to some of the other gospel writers, right? So, so when he does, it's very important. It's there for a reason. It's not just an incidental thing, okay? And so Barabbas is there for a reason. Jesus instead of me. A physical depiction of you and me. So, so it, it, you know, we watched that video, and that would be really cool to think about, but that may not have happened. We don't know. He could have easily just left there and became another, <laughs> formed another insurrection. We don't know. He laughed all of his way. I'm glad Jesus took it up. I'm glad, you know, maybe that was him. We don't know. The real point Mark has this in the Gospels to ask the question, who is Barabbas? And the answer is you are. <laughs> and I am. And you're like, my name's not Barabbas. No, Bar anyone named Barabbas in here? Just never know. You might have had a really religious home, some crazy parents. Who knows? You're always going to remember Jesus in your place, Barabbas, right? So if there's any pregnant moms here, think about it. It could be an idea. It could be a boy or a girl name. Barabbas. Middle name, maybe, right? Um, so, 
So you are Barabbas. I'm Barabbas. Physically, right, he was an insurrectionist to the throne of Rome. None of us have done that, and I know that for a fact because Rome doesn't exist in that way anymore. But we are spiritually, every time you lied, you lusted, you gossiped, you fill in the blank, it's actually not just a mistake or a little mess up, it's an assault on the throne of God and his holiness. That's how we want to think of it. I know it's sobering. But it is. We are insurrectionists, not to Rome and Caesar, but to God himself every time we've sinned. And so physically, Jesus took Barabbas' place on that cross. But for you and I, it's a spiritual thing. He took our place too. The Bible says that, um, that Jesus, when he went on the cross, it wasn't just the, the blood and the beatings and the mockery and all that. It was that he actually became my sin. And I don't want you to think, oh, this sort of general sin that's up there in the air. It's a little more distant for us. No, no, no. That lust you had a couple weeks ago, he became it. That lie you told that, that hurt your coworker last month, he became that sin. That adulterous affair that you've years ago and you haven't been able to forgive yourself, he became that sin. You feel him play? He became that sin. That juicy piece of gossip that hurt someone, he became that sin. And on that cross, he said, it is finished. It's not still there. He's not still there. That's why we have crosses. Jesus ain't there. He died. He was buried. And he rose. See, that's what the good news is. If, if, if he hadn't taken your place and you were there in your sin, you would have stayed dead, right, and separated from God because of your sin. But Jesus is the perfect sacrifice, therefore the only one who could take your sin and conquer it. And he did. It is paid in full. You see, this is the message we proclaim. Jesus in my place. I remember years ago when he first, well, not first, but when I, when I first recognized the truth of this and just the awe I had and the love and mercy and grace God had for me. And when, when I just felt that aliveness, a lot of you, not, you, you remember that when, when you felt that alive uh, feeling that I'm saved, right? Like it was just such an awe experience for me. At the same time, I also, I didn't quite understood at the time, but I felt compelled that he was calling me to proclaim this. And I still feel that passion to proclaim this. That's why we joke all the time. Come here every week, you'll hear different text, same message. We change the title. But it's the gospel. It's the gospel and the fruits of the gospel that we proclaim. Man, and that's what I will proclaim. I hope you will too. I don't care, right? I'll proclaim it till I die. I'll procl- if they throw me in prison, I'll proclaim it there. They cut my tongue out, I'll learn sign language and proclaim it. Right? Yeah, you too. All of us proclaim it. Because that's why we're here. It's, it's, it's not this, this, if you came here hoping for a lesson on moral performance and becoming a better edition of you, that's not what you're going to get. You're going to get you need Christ, more of Christ, and proclaim that, Jesus, in our place, and everything, as he said in the video, changes from there. And so, Jesus was scourged and ready for crucifixion, 
And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion. And they clothed them in a purple cloak, and twisting together a crown of thorns. They put it on him. They began to salute him. Hail, king of the Jews. And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. What's amazing about that, the irony in that whole scene, is that in such mockery, the soldiers kneel before him, you know, laughing. Look at this. This, this person is a king? <laughs> and they kneel before him not understanding that there will come a day where they'll kneel for real before him. Every knee will bow. Every knee will bow. You don't sit it out. Because he's king. And so you'll kneel either under the judgment of God because you never trusted him for the forgiveness of your sins or you'll kneel under the grace of God and be in awe of worship. Even the angels are in awe of what Christ has done. Every knee will bow. So they lead him out to crucify him. And we'll uh, read a couple more verses and then finish the rest of the cross story on Friday, if you're here. I wanted this other detail, this other person. Why did Mark include this? They compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country. He's the father of Alexander and Rufus to carry his cross. And they brought, uh, brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. I read something interesting. that A lot of times these devout Jewish women would actually do this as a ministry to convicted criminals, right? They would, they would offer this kind of mixture that would dole the pain. Ibuprofen, if you will. Maybe a little bit more potent than that. Just as a, as a ministry. But Jesus, again, he doesn't take it. He's like, no, no, no. This is painful. This is suffering. And I'm taking it all purposefully. No one's doing this to me. I am doing it for you. But why Simon? (laughs) Why bring up Simon of Cyrene? Because as Barabbas was a physical depiction of your salvation, Jesus in your place, Simon is a physical depiction of the Christian after salvation, how you live your life. Right? To pick, think about him. He was thrusted into this. I love how he brings up the fact that, that Mark's readers, and they were in Rome, by the way, the Rome church at that time, they knew Simon's sons, right? So they were probably part of the church. I like to think that Simon became a Christian. We don't know for sure, but that's what I like to think. Either way, his sons seem to be, because they mentioned him, Mark mentions him. And so this Simon, he's, he's not meaning to be in this, right? He's thrusted into help because what they would do is, is they would make a convicted uh, criminal carry the cross beam, right, about a mile to where they were going to get crucified. And Jesus was so beaten and loss of blood and exhaustion, he couldn't do it. And so Simon is thrusted into help. 
And so now in a physical way, right, think about what Simon's got to do. He doesn't want to, right, but he's made to. But, but he's, he's picking up the cross and he's following in the footsteps of Jesus, right? Through what? Angry crowds, people that don't like you, the way that no one else wants, and that's what Simon's doing. This is a picture of the Christian life. Right? And, and this is exactly what Jesus had said way back in, in, in Luke chapter 9. He said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Oh, that next word. <laughs> Daily. And follow me. Daily. You know what's good news about that, though? If you screwed it up today, you can pick it up tomorrow. And you're going to, right? It's a process. But what does that mean? That, that sounds so romantic to us. Oh, the cross, right? But, but to them, they're like, a cross? Like, that's terrible. Like, deny yourself. What does the world teach you? You are everything. Go get what you desire. Don't let anyone tell you you're wrong. And Christ says, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Right? So here's the choice for us every day if we're in Christ. Every day. It's Try to go over here to the cool table. I don't know, our students will have to tell us. They still have cool tables in the cafeteria when I was there. I was never invited there, but you know. Or to the really nice, loving weirdo table. You better be loving and nice, but you're a weirdo. You know that, right? If you're young, you might not. But anyone else feel like, uh, you know, maybe 15 years ago as a Christian, you're way weirder now to the world than you were? It's going to keep going, you know. Like, stop getting angry about it. This is not going to stop. It's always been. We just had a little reprieve in America for a while, right? But you are, you have a choice. Be at the cool table with the world or be at the table of the supper of the Lamb, which is for eternity. Which do you want? I want this one for you. Pick up your cross and follow him. Pick up your cross. You see, in this broken, sinful world, there is so much grief and sorrow and difficulty. We know that. You know that. I was this past week, I made a quick trip to where I grew up. My aunt, my dad's sister, who obviously I've known all my life, died. Um, and I was, I was talking with my cousin, who's right around my age. She's a year older than me. And really, she's such an awesome woman. I say girl because I think about being kids, but, um, and, and it's just, she just did such a great job doing the eulogy of her mom, but we were talking the night before at, at the calling hours, and just for a few minutes, but she was just really like locked in because she knew that I've been through this, right? We, we lost our mom 10 years ago, and, and, and so she was asking me about that, and I said, well, Sarah, sir, I said, you're going to feel after this is over, you're going to say, why does everyone just keep living life like it's still the same? Anyone ever felt that way? Yeah. You're going to feel that way. So everyone's like, don't you know my mom's gone? <laughs> like, it's not the same. You're going to feel that way. And it's going to feel lonely. It's going to feel lonely. See, and, and, you know, there, a lot of things will get better, but 10 years from now, you're going to go through something, you're going to pick up your phone and want to call her. And it's going to feel lonely. It is. I said, but here's the thing that I learned through that process is that I was never alone, that Christ was with me every single step. He promised. He went through it alone, so I don't have to, and neither do you. So if you're feeling at the end of your rope, and I guarantee you we have some people here or close to it, 
you're just feeling the sorrows of the world, maybe someone you've lost, maybe something going, and, and you just feel like you're going to give up today. Well, let me do this. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I want to ask if anyone in the past has ever felt that way but no longer is today. Raise your hand. Go ahead. All right, keep your hand up. Now, if, if you're someone who's feeling that way, look around. You're going to get there because you're not alone. You pick up your cross. Part of that is trusting him through some of the sorrows of life. Some of the other sorrows are the things that we, our flesh wants, that the world says we need, and Christ says, no, no, no. You, 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 come over here. Follow me. Follow me. Pick up your cross. Follow me. Follow me. This is, this is what, how, how we do sex. This is what, how, how, how we do marriage. This is how we do friendship. This is how we treat people who have hurt us. This, over, over here. Because the cool table is going to say something completely different, right? You, you, you know, our students will go to school, will go to universities, right? I mean, you're going to hear something completely different by most people. And you have to choose. Pick up my cross. Follow him. That's hard. That feels alone. That feels like you're, you're the weirdo, that you're old-fashioned, that, that you're, right? That's what it feels like. But it's truth, and you have to believe it and trust him. And when you slip up, get back up every day follow him. Here's what we did. You may have noticed um, coming in, put a couple of bowls with nails. What kind of a church are we? Most churches are giving away nice friendly palms. I'm giving away nails here. (laughs) Welcome. And um, if you've ever been at our Good Friday service, you know that we usually offer an opportunity to to nail uh, things to the cross, like sins or things like that. Um, so what, I, what we decided to do is, is give you the opportunity, no pressure, but if you want one of these nails, grab it, keep it with you all week. Your pocket, show it to people. What a great conversation piece. Give some other nails away. Just your own nails. Take, don't take ours, all right? We don't have that many. No, I'm just kidding. Take, don't be that guy, right? Give, us, give away a nail. Say, come, right? And what this nail, I want you to, t- to represent for you, is whatever is kind of keeping you from picking up your cross and following Maybe it's shame of a past sin. Maybe it's a current sin that's just got you feeling trapped. Maybe it's that sorrow or the loneliness or, or just grief of this world, frustration. I don't know. Maybe it's a bunch of things. And all week, as you see this, this, this nail, you get to think about the cross and what happened there. It was finished upon that cross. It was paid in full. Right? And so, uh, and, and even if you're not going to be able to join us on Friday, still feel free to take one right, and keep it with you. But if you, you do come back Friday, bring it with you. And take it and nail it to that cross. It's a symbol that says it's finished. I'm not carrying it anymore. Whatever keeps you from, from picking up that cross and saying, today, Jesus, I walk in your footsteps. So feel free to do, do that. Feel free to, to, to give one to somebody. Um, and, and we'll do that together. Let's pray as we, uh, before we sing, we just bring our collective prayers to the Lord. Um, Father, I, I thank you that we can pray. I thank you that we are called to um, just bring our requests to you. And I especially feel, um, I just feel burdened, Lord, to, to ask you, to be in a special way, present with anyone who feels like they want to give up. Maybe this was their last resort. Maybe I'll just go to church. (laughs) And here they've met the living Christ. Show them that 
you shepherd them through even the valley of the shadow of death. Help them to feel your presence, O Holy Spirit, to know that they are not alone. And Lord, would you put people, other believers in their life to help them and encourage them if they don't already have that. Lord, I pray for the believers in the room who are, um, and who are online as well. I, I pray that, that, that we would think seriously this week about what's keeping us from fully following you. Lord, let us leave it at the cross. Give us the courage and the strength to leave it there. To have the courage to, do, to step into how you've called us. And Father, lastly, I pray you'd open the eyes of faith, the ears to hear truth of anyone who's with us or listening to this prayer right now that just didn't know that the truth, that all of salvation is found in Christ, but open their eyes of faith that they would just say, Jesus, I want you. We know that they need the faith, that gift of faith. Give it to them. Help them believe, Lord. We want so badly for them to be at the supper of the Lamb to want you, not the world, to come face to face as Pilate did with the gospel, but do the opposite of Pilate, embrace you and not the world. That's what we want for them, Lord. We pray for that. They would leave here changed, born again in Christ. They might not understand that completely, but you'll show them step by step, step by step. Lord, we just give you all the glory. We sing praises to your name, for you are worthy. You are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing.